0: Welcome to the Craft to Career Podcast with Elizabeth Chapel. where every week, we dive into how you can turn your craft into a successful career. Get
1: ready to have the career you've always dreamed of. Welcome to episode thirty six of the Craft to Career Podcast. This is Elizabeth Chapel, the host of the show. And this week we're going to dive into our finances. This is a topic that, as stressful as it might seem, This is important for a business to be aware of, to know how to track your finances, to know what you're earning, how to pay taxes, what to pay. So while it's not as fun and glamorous as some of the other topics, it's truly important. And I've had a few people ask, can you talk about the finances, how to organize your finances, all of these things. And I wanted to bring in a guest who focuses on this, specializes in finances, So this week we have Serena Shoup. She is a CPA. She's actually someone who I've hired this year to help me with my finances. It is actually a service that I looked for at the very beginning of my business. I didn't know where to find someone who did this kind of thing. And I have now found someone who all I have to do, well, really all I have to do is check in every month and see how my finances are doing. She's able to take all of my, expenditures, all the money coming in, and tell me where things are. We're even going to chat about ways where I can save money and cut back on expenses. So I'm really excited to have Serena as a guest. She knows all the things like you can write off this amount of money for a gift and you know all the nitty gritty things. And so today I have a list of questions that come from new business owners. And so you are bound to have your question answered here. And if not, on the odd chance that you have more questions that weren't answered in this podcast, you'll find out who Serena is and how to get in touch with her. Plus there is a link in the show notes at quilterscandy.com. If you go to episode 36, finances, how to get yours in order with guest Serena Shoup, you'll also see some notes to go and contact her, but also listen to a podcast that she references In this podcast where she'll talk on a few more things so this week is more of the the nitty-gritty you know details of a business but it's foundational i mean you really to have success as a business owner if money is involved which it is because it's a business where you're selling things and taking money in this is a must must listen to know how for you as a business owner Before we jump into our chat with Serena, I am excited to read this week's review. It comes from Apple Podcasts, and it is from Chap800, and it says, I love this podcast. I love the holistic approach Elizabeth uses in her podcast. Not only does she talk about how to set up my own business, but she also has episodes about self-care because she knows a business is more than the numbers and process, but about taking care of ourselves in the process. She's fun, engaging, and I'm learning a ton. So thank you, CHAP 800, 800. And yes, a business is so much more than just the numbers. And it really is about who we are as people and who the people are that we are serving. And one of those, with, with that in mind, I'm excited to be doing a little giveaway to my podcast listeners. So with the self-care in mind, taking care of ourselves, I am going to be giving away a bundle, a lot of my favorite drink. It's Mixers brand, and I have some Mixers greens. It's like a mixture of broccoli and I don't even know all the greens that are in there. Your daily greens in a yummy pink grapefruit flavored drink. You just mix it with water, drink it. It's delicious. And then Her Power, it's, it doesn't have caffeine, but it's like an energy drink that's delicious and will give you the energy you need to run a business. And Her Multi, it's a multivitamin and a, again, a yummy flavored drink. So I have a bundle of these that I'm going to be giving away. And to qualify to enter, just leave a review for the podcast And either email or DM me your, take a screenshot, show me that you've left a review so that I can see your review. And that's it. That's all you need to do to be entered. So I will be sharing a photo of the drink mixtures that you can get. You can find that at quilterscandy.com and it will be under podcasts. And again, you'll have to look for episode 36, the finance episode, and you can see a picture of the drinks that you can win. And this will be running through the month of December. So you have the month of December to post a review. And then the beginning of January, the first podcast in January, I will announce the winner. So go ahead and leave a review and send me a DM or an email of that review and you will be entered. All right, so let's go ahead and meet Serena Shoup and have all of our finance questions answered. All right, Serena, welcome to the Crafty Career podcast. I am so excited to have you here because a lot of my listeners are asking these financial questions and I'm like, you know what, let me bring someone on the show who is like qualified to talk about this. So for our listeners, can you give us an introduction and tell us a bit about what you do?
0: Absolutely. And thank you, Elizabeth, for having me. I'm super excited for this. Um, I'm Serena Shoup. I'm a CPA. I have three kids. I run a virtual bookkeeping and accounting business from my home. And um, I mainly help course creators and online sellers. So uh, most of our online sellers also have a course creation component. So that's kind of um, our little niche, if you will. Um So yeah, I started out in corporate, I left to have more kids, and I just knew I didn't ever want to go back to the nine-to-five grind, Um, and I'd always wanted to start my own business, so I decided to just give it a go and start freelancing, doing a little bit of accounting and bookkeeping on the side, and I just really fell in love with helping other online entrepreneurs with their businesses, and here we are a few years later. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I, uh, my only regret is that I didn't meet you sooner, because I, you know, recently hired you and I'm using you as a bookkeeper. And I mean, when I first started my business, I was looking for this exact thing that you offer for someone to keep track of everything, get in touch and say, here's where you're spending, here's where you should maybe look at and cut back and then have everything ready for taxes. Is that typically I mean, is there like a range of what you offer for people? Yeah. So
0: when I first started out, I I offered a like kind of a done with you situation for people who weren't quite to the point of needing or being able to afford a bookkeeper. Uh, and since then, most of those most of those entrepreneurs have grown enough to just say, okay, I'm done. You can take it over now, which has been great. We've had this long relationship. Now we pretty much focus on just doing it for people. Um, but I do have a network of other bookkeepers that I, that, that do the done with you service as well. Cause I also mentor and coach other bookkeepers. Um, but yeah, for the most part, we, we just like to handle it for our clients. Um, and some clients will have a few different needs. For instance, some of them might have a couple employees or contractors, and we'll get them set up on like Gusto, for example, to help run payroll. Um, some clients might have a little bit of sales tax. So we help manage that as well. Um, but for the most part, most of our clients are making at least 100000 in revenue um mm-hmm. and and in, in on a growth track right so they're expecting to grow more um and that's kind of that's kind of our sweet spot
1: Nice. Very cool. So for those who are starting out, well, that's great to know, too, that you can refer people to someone else if they're not quite ready to hire you. But for those at the very, very beginning, there's a lot of questions around bookkeeping. So I am just going to ask you some questions and see if we can get some guidance here. Sure. So, all right. What are the basic must knows or helpful tips for successfully managing business finances? So I would say first things first, as soon
0: as you decide to open a business, you also need to open uh, a separate bank account. And that's going to help you just really keep things organized and uh, make it easy for if you do hire a bookkeeper, they'll be able to easily know that everything that came through that account is a business expense instead of having to comb through it with you and ask you transaction by transaction, what was this for? Is this business? Is it personal? It's just mo- way more straightforward and easy if you separate your business and personal finances. So I would say that is step one, must have. Um mm-hmm. The other thing is to actually look at the transactions in your bank account and manage them. (laughs) Make sure you look at those numbers. So monitor what's coming in that business bank account and what's going out of it. Because sometimes there is maybe fraud or maybe you get double charged for something. And if you're not watching those transactions, just like your personal finances, I hope you're all monitoring your bank accounts. You want to treat your business the same and just make sure you're not being overcharged for things or having duplicates or, God forbid, actual fraud. Um, And then the third thing is to just keep receipts for everything. (laughs) There is a requirement from the IRS to have, um, to keep track of anything over $25. But I like, sometimes it's hard to remember, like, what's the threshold? So just keep everything. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. and then one of the really important things to track is if you are spending on food meals or whatever, and travel, um, is to actually document on the receipt, like physically write it on the receipt, what the meal was for. So if it was meals for you while you're traveling, you know, make a note of that. If you're taking a client, a customer, or um, maybe someone you collaborate with, if you're taking them out for coffee or a meal, just write out on the, the receipt who, the, you know, who you were taking out, what the purpose of that meeting was, um, and then save that for your records. One of the, the most audited accounts is going to be your meals account. So if you were to get audited, you definitely want to make sure you have business purpose for everything that's in that account.
1: Okay. And so what if you don't have a receipt and you can just say, oh, I remember that meal. It was this. this." (laughs) How would that fly?
0: I would say like um, I actually record it because I have a podcast too. I recorded an episode with an ex-IRS auditor and oh. we talked about this. And so I'll give you the link to it so you can link it in the show notes. It's very informative um, for bookkeepers and our clients alike. I, I send everybody to that, that episode for the bookkeepers so they can help their clients, you know, stay out of trouble. And for our clients, like just to understand what an IRS auditor is looking for. Um, if you typically keep receipts for everything and you get audited and you're maybe missing one or two receipts, the auditor can just kind of make a judgment call and be like, well, typically you have receipts for everything. So we're just going to let that one slide. If it mm-hmm. if they audit you and you literally have no receipts for anything, you're probably going to have all of those expenses disallowed, which means you're going to then own more taxes and maybe penalties. So okay. it kind of just depends on your, your, your general practice, but best practice is to just save receipts for everything. Um, that's one of the things that we help our clients with to have audit proof books. Um, we use a tool called Hubdoc, so we make it really easy on you guys. We, there's an iPhone and an Android app. You can just take pictures of those receipts as soon as it happens. This is how I do it. When I travel, go out to dinner or whatever, I take a picture of the receipt after I've written, you know, the business purpose on it and it automatically uploads it into that, you know, I take it from within that app, uploads it. And then when we're doing our bookkeeping at the end of the month, we can match it up to the transaction.
1: Okay. So then my question is what if you do use your business credit card? Like I know one time I was somewhere, I don't even remember where, and I didn't have my other credit card. I was like, oh no. And so I used my business credit card. What do you, how do you like make that right? You know? Yeah. So
0: that happens and it's totally fine. What happens when that transaction, the way we handle it, when that transaction comes through, if you know that you accidentally used your business card for something personal, like we just tell our clients, just shoot us a message that says like this transaction was personal. So just basically exclude it. Um, So we'll mark it as like an owner's draw or a distribution if you are an S-corp. And there's like no harm there. (laughs) Um, Where it gets kind of tricky is if you're constantly like intermingling funds all the time, then you have the potential of piercing the corporate veil of the business entity that you've set up. So if you have an LLC or an S-corp, it's best to try to keep it as separate as possible and not purposely intermingle the funds. Um, mm-hmm. Accidents happen, so it's not a big deal. But um, yeah, that's one thing that you you have that separate entity for a purpose, like to, to keep you protected. And if you do things like that that will pierce it, then it's like kind of pointless to even have the LLC. Um, but mm-hmm. that would have to be like a one-off here and there is not a huge deal. It would have to be like you're constantly like, buying stuff that's obviously personal and trying to deduct it and things like that.
1: Okay. Yeah. Okay, good. And then I'm curious if this kind of was talked about, but the question is, what is the best way to keep track of business expenses?
0: Yeah. So not just, you know, holding on to all of your receipts and invoices that you have, but you want to have a system to track all of it. Um, depending on where you're at in your business and how much volume you have coming and going, um, sometimes it makes sense to actually use something like QuickBooks Online. Or my preference is Zero, um, uh, but you can also do track all of this in Excel. So you would just want to have to export your your bank activity and put it into an Excel sheet and just categorize every line as to what the expense or the revenue was from. Um, and then, if you're Excel savvy, you can do like a pivot table or something to summarize the data and then get a better idea of your total revenue and your total expenses, which is going to give you your net profit or loss.
1: Okay. So. How many people, if you had to guess, know what their profit is in their business? Probably, well, it
0: depends on the group of people you're talking to, right? I would say it's pretty common, especially in your first couple years of business, to not really understand. A lot of people might not even understand what profit is, right? So especially if you're not tracking anything, if you don't have a system to track it, you're likely not going to know your true profit. You might have a you know, ballpark figure of like, well, I know this much money came in my bank account and this much money has gone out. Um, t- typically what your profit is, is what you're paying yourself in most sm- small businesses, Um, but if you have debt or something like that, the profit number kind of, um, gets convoluted for people because your debt payments are going to come out of your profit, but you feel like you don't have a profit because you're paying down debt, if that makes sense. Or like if there's not money left over in your bank account every month, even though you've paid yourself, you're like, I have no profit because there's no money left over, but essentially you've paid yourself the profit. So, Mm -hmm.
1: okay. So. Well, let's edit that out. Okay. So you said zero is what you recommend. Is that if you're using Excel, then you don't need to use zero?
0: Correct. Okay. Yeah. So, um, like I said, it kind of just depends on where you're at in your business um, and how good you are at keeping on top of things because zero will automate it for you. You link your bank accounts, uh, all the transactions will come in, and then they'll be there for you to categorize, and you just kind of select where you want them to go. Um, And then the step that we do for our clients is we set all that up and we categorize things for you. We might have questions at the end of every month if there's like a new expense that we've never seen before um, and we can't figure it out on our own. But then we take it a step further. We reconcile to your bank statements because sometimes the bank feeds are wrong. Um, Sometimes there will be a gap, like maybe they broke. We have to reconnect them. And so um, we always like to look at the actual bank statements to make sure we've captured everything. So you're not missing out on any business deductions and, and all that good stuff. And then we look at your summary reports, right? We look at your profit and loss, your balance sheet, your cash flow statement. And then we like to meet with our clients and let them know what all of that means. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's like more useful, right? So you can make
1: decisions in your business. Yeah, so how does it work with taxes? Do you recommend people set aside a certain percentage for tax or what does that look like? Absolutely. Especially if, um, if you're new in
0: business and you have no idea how the year is going to shake out, I recommend, and I even recommend this for seasoned businesses as well. All the money that comes in, just as soon as you get like a big deposit from Stripe or PayPal or whatever, you just take a percentage of that whole deposit and put it into a savings account. And I recommend 10 to 15%. And that's gonna be of your revenue. So the gross amount that comes into your bank, um, taking 10 or 15% and just setting it aside for the end of the year. Um, If you're working with an accountant, they might give you quarterly estimates to make. Um, So you would take them out of that savings account that you're building up all year. So you'll see it grow and then it'll deplete when you make those estimates. But yeah, I highly recommend doing that Mm because it's like out of sight, out of mind. And then at the end of the year, it's really exciting when you're like, I have $10,000 or whatever in a bank account that I know I can use to pay my taxes. And if we end up not making as much profit as we anticipated, or um, maybe we overpaid a little bit on our estimates. At the end of the year, when you file your taxes, you might not have to take anything extra out. So you can use that to maybe put in your 401k or your IRA or something
1: um, or invest back into your business. So, okay. And exciting. I know when I first started my business, Well, there's for in the United States, right? There's two different, your state and then the federal tax. Mm -hmm. And when I first started for the state, I had to pay every quarter. And then after a couple of years I could, I applied and now it's yearly, but if it's, I mean, can you speak to that as well? Yeah. So you're, are you talking sales tax or Mm -hmm. income tax?
0: Okay. Sales tax. Yeah. So yeah. So sales tax, it varies. It depends on the business and it depends on what you're selling. So and by the state. <laughs> For if you have a lot of listeners that are selling physical items, maybe like in a Shopify store or something, across all states, they might need to be collecting and remitting sales tax to multiple states, but it varies by state. There's threshold, there's different thresholds on every state on transaction limits and dollar amounts. Um, but one thing is for sure, if you're selling to any customers in your state, you know, think of wherever you're based for you, it's Texas, right. Um, any customers that you have that purchase from you online if they are also in Texas you have to collect Texas sales tax on those ones not necessarily every customer but definitely the ones in Texas so that's always one of the things that we look at first when we bring on a client is like are you collecting sales tax where you're supposed to be if you are selling across the whole US we do a deep dive analysis on all of those different thresholds and what types of products you're selling. And we make sure that you're you're set up in the states that you should be. Um, Sales tax is a little bit harder for people to wrap their head around, especially because you're you're actually just the middleman on sales tax. Your customer should be getting charged in most cases, and there's exceptions, but um, your customer should be getting charged when they purchase that item for you for the sales tax if you are supposed to be collecting in that state and then you're holding it and then giving it to the state for you, you're doing it yearly because it's such a small amount. Um, but for maybe like a local business that is only doing business in one state, there may be a storefront retail. Um, if, if their customers are coming in every day they're and buying stuff, right. If they have a lot of volume, they're probably having to remit sales tax every month. Um, so I also recommend setting up an account for that to hold the money and set it aside. If, if you're likely to spend everything that's in your bank account, because it's not your money, really, Mm -hmm. you know, it's kind of like when you pay an employee, you have to withhold their taxes and send those taxes to the state and the feds. Um, and if you keep that money, (laughs) that's stealing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So it's kind of the same thing. So if you're one of those people that's likely to, maybe spend everything that comes into your bank account, put up, put up some guardrails for yourself.
1: Yeah. And if, what if you're selling digital products like a PDF or a course or membership, how does sales tax work?
0: So that's another thing that's fairly new is, you know, the States are finally catching on to the businesses that are doing things differently. Everyone's had to pivot, especially, Um, through the pandemic and there's a lot more of the digital products being sold. So a few, quite a few States now do require that you charge sales tax on digital products and they all have different variations of definitions, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but in general, (laughs) like in general, you would assume that if it is a state that requires sales tax on digital products, the general definition is something that's like, um, a pre-recorded video, or they have access to the replays, Um, PDFs, like digital patterns, for instance, um, things like that. If it's, you know, kind of reusable, it's considered a digital product. What wouldn't be a digital product and and require sales tax is like live coaching, right? If you're doing one-on-one coaching with someone and you're just doing a Zoom call and it's live and it's not like really in a course format, you can probably get away with not charging sales tax on it. Um, But always, always check your state's rules. (laughs) And if your client is in a totally different state and that's your only client there, you're likely not going to need to do anything because it's you're probably not going to hit the threshold. So um, if you ever have a question about it, it's definitely like there's some great resources on taxjar.com and avalera.com. Um, with information about digital goods sales tax or you could do a Google search, but it's always changing. So it's always something that you kind of just want to be aware of as a business owner and seek out help if you need it.
1: I will say there's more taxes than I realized. Like my friend who told me about you after we first met, she's like, so how are you doing? How do you feel (laughs) after finding out about the taxes that you owe? I'm like, "Mm, (laughs) very good. (laughs) You're like relieved and more stressed, (laughs) right? Yes. I mean, it's good to know. It's good to know, but yeah. Right. So um, if you do hire someone to help with taxes, what do they need from a business owner?
0: Right. So the easiest thing is when our clients just give us access to all the ways that they make money. So for, you know, most of our online entrepreneurs, it's access to their Stripe and their PayPal accounts. Cause that's where most of your money is coming from. If you have a point of sale, like a Shopify store or a Squarespace store, giving us access to that so we can run the reports out of it, um, is super duper helpful. Uh, that way we don't have to bug you as much Mm -hmm. (laughs) and we can just run the reports that we need. Um, most of, most of those platforms have the ability to just grant certain access. So you're not going to be giving your bookkeeper access to refund customers and actually move the money around. It's really just like, usually there's like a reporting access or a statement only access, and that's usually all we need. Um, and it, you know, it protects, our clients. It protects us because we don't even have access. We can't accidentally screw anything up. So, um, but we still have the information we need. So that's probably, um, the biggest thing. And it's, we totally recognize that it's like, it's intimate, like to give us access to all your bank accounts. So we can see everything that's happening. It's, it's nerve wracking, right? It's personal. So, uh, we totally, we totally get that.
1: I know that was when I first hired you. I'm like, I feel very naked all of a sudden. Like here's everything. Yeah. Take a look. Tell me what you think, you know? Yeah. It's Uh, funny. Like a lot of our,
0: there's a lot of clients that we've had that, um, because we know everything about them financially, they just feel great about sharing everything personal too. (laughs) And it's fine. It's like, we're therapists. It's cool.
1: (laughs) You're like the hairstylist who hears everything. (laughs) There is something to that though. I mean, I feel like you know me better than most people because you see everything I buy, you know, so, but there is literally no
0: judgment here. um, Because for us, we're just, we're not judging the numbers. We're just recording them and helping you make decisions around them. So helping you make data-driven decisions, right? There mm-hmm. is zero judgment about any of it. Um, so if, if you have a good bookkeeper, they'll, they'll say the same thing.
1: Yeah. And okay. Someone had a question and I actually think this is a really good question. So if you're doing business out of your home, what can you claim as like a tax write-off?
0: Yeah. So um there's the home office deduction and there's a couple ways to determine that i would recommend honestly just always working with a tax pro and having them walk you through which one is the better option but you can do like a percentage of your the square foot of your home so if you have a home office that's um you know 20 or 100 square feet say out of a 1000 square foot home you can deduct 10% of your like the cost of maintaining your home so your mortgage interest or your rent, um, your utilities, all that kind of stuff. So you would definitely wanna track all that stuff, but you wouldn't track it in your bookkeeping software for your business, but you just you know, do an Excel sheet or something and have the totals for your accountant. Um, the other one is kind of like a standard $300 or something um, for the home office deduction if you don't wanna do the square footage percentage. Um, generally, especially if you have a, um, bigger bills, it's more beneficial to do the, the square footage option. Um, so that's one of them. The other, the other thing is we all do so much business from our phones so your cell phone is, I, I personally only deduct half of it because I have, my daughter has a, a line on my cell phone bill. So I don't, deduct the whole thing because she's not part of the business but if it's just you on your phone bill you can deduct hundred percent of it um for your cell phone because let's be honest the majority of the stuff we do on our phone is for our
1: business nowadays that's <laughs> true okay I did not know that that's great
0: yeah so that's one of those things that if you're the only person on your phone bill you might just want to like start paying it from your business credit card you know or your business mm-hmm. bank account. Um, That way it's in there every month. You don't have to remember to submit it or anything.
1: Hmm, True. And what about gifts or, I mean, what are some other items that people should consider or think about? Um, So gifts is one
0: of the things that tends to happen a lot in our space. Like I always, I gift things to my clients, especially um, when we get new clients or if a client gives us a referral, we send them a little something Um, the the IRS rules are $25 per person per year. So technically, uh, we can only write off $25 of that gift. The whole thing is a business expense, but it's not necessarily all tax deductible. So uh, yes, I'm going to run the whole thing. If it's hundred dollars, I'm going to pay for it through my business bank account. But at your end, um, if you categorize things properly, we'll have an account that says gifts. And so we'll look through that, that account at the end of the year or your tax accountant will, and they'll decide, okay, well there's maybe a thousand dollars of gifts in here, but we're just, we're going to find out how many people the gifts were actually for and just do the, you know, 25 times, whatever number, right. Mm -hmm. Um, you can get around it being a gift expense or, you know, the the gift limit. If it has a your logo on it, then it can be considered marketing. Um, and the other thing with gifts is there's there's an exclusion for anything that's considered entertainment. So if you're gifting them movie tickets or tickets Dinner. to a baseball game or something like that, that would be disallowed altogether. So um, you can still do it and pay for it through your business. Just know you might not get the deduction. Um, if it's more entertainment, what you said about dinner though, Mm -hmm, (laughs) that's technically allowed, um, because it's not entertainment it's meals. So if there's food involved and it's all food, um, not just a portion of it. So like the, get the meals and entertainment stuff is kind of tricky. Like there's definite, like you definitely want to look at the rules on that, but, um, for the most part, if there, if it's all, you know, if it's a gift card for a restaurant or something, that's still a gift. Um, but if it were a gift card for um, like movies or something, the movies, that's definitely entertainment. So um, okay. there's always going to be a gray area. <laughs>
1: yeah, there is. There really is. And I tend to <laughs> and find And the answer is always, out. it depends. <laughs> yeah. Darn it.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: So, okay. The next question is, if you don't have a large nest egg of money ready to go to set up a business, what's the best way to start? Should you get a small business loan or just start small and work? To a bigger business
0: again, <laughs> it's one of those depends thing. It really depends on your risk tolerance and um, how much pressure you can handle. So if you go and get a business loan, there's a lot more pressure to actually achieve the projections that you have to submit to be able to get a loan. And then that's the whole other thing. If you're going to go get a loan, you have to have a business plan. You have to have um, a budget or forecast set out for the next um, you know, three to five years so that the, the lender knows that you actually have a plan for that money and it's realistic and achievable, um, which we've done for clients. Um, I have a client that is opening a it's kind of a random industry, not with most of our clients, but it's a, it's a yoga studio and a cafe. So Mm -hmm. there's going to be like a little cafe with juices and smoothies and um, tapas, and then a really upscale yoga studio attached. So most of the traffic she's going to get is from the cafe. And then they'll be like, Oh, look at this beautiful yoga studio. So it's pretty genius. Uh, We Mm -hmm. were able to secure a half a million dollar loan for her to open it build out and do the whole thing. So it is, it is possible, but there's a lot of pressure that comes with, with all of that. Right. So it Mm -hmm. really depends on what you have the stomach for. (laughs) And you can always do like, it depends on the business too. If you don't need like to open a studio and a cafe, you, there's a lot of expenses up front. You have to build something out. You have to buy the equipment. You have to hire employees to run it before you're ever open. So you can train them. Um, But if it's an online business, you really can start with nothing almost. Sometimes
1: when I'm working with new students, clients, or I'm coaching someone, they kind of want to start by not always, but I see sometimes they want to start with paying nothing but earning money. And the fact that they have to spend some money up front really deters them. And have you seen that work? I mean, in my world, I don't know how to start without putting some money. We're talking maybe $3,000, you know, just to get started
0: yeah that's where i i would say that's why i said like almost nothing because there's always going to be some sort of expense up front depending on what your business is like for example when i started my virtual bookkeeping business i needed a new computer Mm -hmm. (laughs) i needed one that was going to work right um so that was an initial cash outlay a couple grand right i also as soon as i got my first client I needed business insurance and that was another thousand dollars. So there's always going to be certain things that you do absolutely have to spend upfront. Um, and if you really don't have anything, but you have a credit card, sometimes that's what you need to do because you have to make, you know, if you know, you're going to make the money, it's worth it. Um, and then as you start to make a little bit of money, you like pay that down. Right. And maybe invest in, more things to help you run your business, whether it's a coach or a course or something that, you know, you're going to get a return on your investment. So, um, it's just kind of evaluating the benefits and the risks and what you have the stomach for again.
1: Mm -hmm. Okay. And a business credit card. I feel like you talked about how opening a business bank account. Can you Mm -hmm. speak to the business credit card?
0: Yeah. So I personally am a huge fan of credit cards because I play the points game, but I know that it's highly dependent on your behavior of how successful that can be. Um, I'll start with saying one of what my favorite credit card is, is the Amex business gold, <laughs> especially for mm-hmm. online business, because you can get four times the points back on your top four spending categories. Um, and for, for me, it's, software, online software and ads. And so I get a lot of points. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I've taken trips already. Um, you also get more points for booking your trip, your travel through the Amex website and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I'm starting with that. Like that's my recommendation. There is a fee on it. So, but for me, it was worth it. Cause I'm like, it's already paid for itself. Um, but if you're the type of person that, you know, you kind of have, you know, you don't, do well with paying off your credit card every month, um, maybe don't do a credit card, right? You have to make that decision for yourself, um, because you don't want to be paying interest on it because that adds up. Um, and credit cards generally have really high interest, <laughs>
1: mm-hmm,
0: they do. like 15, 20%. Um, and you, you will just dig yourself in a hole if you're only doing the minimum, paying the minimum balance. So only do a credit card if you can, um, if you have, a guaranteed like plan to pay it off. And if you can pay it off every month.
1: So, and I'm curious when I first started my business, I opened both a bank and a credit card. So in my mind, I can't wrap around. If I didn't have a separate credit card, how would I separate? You just have to go through every month and separate the personal from the business. Yeah.
0: That is my advice for opening a separate bank account is kind of the same as the credit card. So if you want to get points in your, for spending in your business, definitely open up a separate business credit card as well. Um, because like what you just said, it's going to be a headache to try and separate things. If it's like a one-off thing where you're like, I only, you know, I'm only going to buy my computer on my personal credit card, but it's a business expense. Um, so you still save that receipt. You still enter it in your system. Um, it's just called like an owner's contribution or, um, owner's investment basically in the business. And that's how you would record that. And that's okay too. Like if you know, you're like, I don't want two credit cards or you don't want to damage your credit score by applying for another credit card. Um, then, then that's okay to do that too. Just, I would not get in the habit of
1: mingling them. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. And then now I' tell me, I don't know if this is something that you're familiar with, but I've got this question here from a student that says pricing your products and knowing what a good ratio is for that, taking into consideration expenses in production, shipping, et cetera. what percentage is good to to plan on keeping as a profit? so
0: if if it's a physical product, you're you still want to have you know a decent profit. I would aim for, over, over the whole business. So your, your cost of goods sold and your overhead. Um, so like if you have, you know, your bills, your rent, whatever, that type of stuff that you're paying for from the business, um, I would still aim to have at least a 30 to 50% profit. Um, your gross profit is going to be the difference between your revenue and just your cost of goods sold. So basically, your cost of goods sold is what goes into actually delivering that product to your customer. So that would be your shipping, the, you know, raw materials or, you know, for your for your audience it's going to be fabric and thread and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Um so that would be like what actually goes into getting the product to the customer, um including the shipping. So that if you want to achieve a bottom line profit to pay yourself 50%, you, you want, you know, that to be even a a greater gross profit, right? So probably like 75 to 80% gross profit, which means your cost of goods sold should only be 25
1: to 30%. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I do know about that. Good. I'm glad. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And how can you be sure to gain enough personal income for your time efforts, risk, all of that?
0: Yeah, so that's where having that kind of benchmark of try to make at least 50% of, you know, t- plan on taking 30 to 50% of your total revenue home um, and also set aside for taxes. So that's where, um, I don't know if you had this on your list of questions, I can't remember, but that's where Profit First comes in and comes in really handy for a lot of our clients. So if you're not familiar with it, it's kind of like the envelope method but for business and you use bank accounts instead of cash envelopes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, so that's where I said at the beginning of the episode to, to just take 10 to 15% off the top. When you get a deposit into your bank account and put it aside for taxes, that's, that's one of the aspects of profit first. Um, the others is an account for owner's pay for paying yourself. So ensuring that you're paying yourself and, and then another account for profit. So on top of paying yourself, you want the business to be profitable um, so that you're building an asset. So if you ever want it to sell in the future, if you've taken and depleted all of the cash out of the business to pay yourself, it doesn't look as profitable. So you always want to have a small percentage that really is just profit. Um, and then the other two accounts is going are going to be your operating expenses. So Basically, the account that you're paying all of your expenses out of your software, your fabric, all that kind of stuff. Um, And then the fifth account is going to be your main account, it's your income account. And so you would link all of your payment processors to that income account. So all the money comes into one account and then you divvy it out. So at the end of, I do it every two weeks, the same day I run payroll. So I look at that income account. I see how much is in there and I divvy it up according to different percentages into all the other four accounts. Um, and, and that is really good, especially if you aren't great at keeping up on your bookkeeping, you still have a good pulse on where all the cash is on your, in your business. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's it's also really good for people that have a lot of emotions around money or have a lot of issues with self-control and like spending it. So it's like, the tax and the profit are out of, you know, they're in a savings account. If you're, if you are one of those people that do have a hard time seeing money and not spending it in your bank account for those people, we recommend having it at a completely separate bank. So it's not in that, like when you log in to look at your bank accounts, it's not adding to that total. It's kind of out of sight, out of mind until year end or quarterly when you need it to pay your estimates.
1: Okay. This is interesting. How do you have clients who have a hard time not spending money that's in their account?
0: Um, for the most part, not really, but they still like the profit first method for that security and like watching the profit account grow Mm -hmm. and watching the tax account grow. Um, and it just, it it really does put guardrails around things because sometimes it, it's not necessarily like they have a hard time not spending it because it's in their account. It's more like, Oh, there's this coaching program and their marketing is really good. I think I need it. And it's like, <laughs> yes, but, it's okay. not, but that money like that. is not in your operating expense yeah. account. Would you okay. like to, de- to designate another account? So that's when we start adding more accounts, mm-hmm. designating another account for, um, you know, coaching or strategic investments. Um, I have a, another account called, um, annual expenses because I buy a lot of software on the annual Mm -hmm. instead of monthly because you save that way. But every month I'm still setting money aside for when those renew.
1: Smart. Okay. This is getting me excited for our call tomorrow because I have (laughs) questions on these very topics. So yay. Yeah. Um, Okay. And then, well, and this is interesting as well. I had someone who I was chatting with a while back and they had a business that was a, a year old so one question is, is it normal to not see a profit in the first year? Absolutely. Then, okay. So that we'll talk talk about that. And then second, she also didn't know. She was like, I'm selling out of all the products that that I'm selling, but I don't, I'm not having a profit. And I was like, why? And she's like, I don't know. So is that a case of not keeping records? I mean-
0: It could be kind of like we talked about earlier, like maybe she's actually taking money out to pay her personal bills or whatever, or pay herself. And she's not really considering that that is her profit and that she is making money, but she's just taking the money out to live off of. If she's expecting to have money left over in the business, that's where that profit account really helps because it's a very small percentage. Like if you're just starting with profit first, I recommend. Just doing 1% to that profit account. And it seems really small, but every quarter we adjust and we increase that by another percentage point. And then as your revenue grows, that 1% changes from $10 to maybe a thousand, depending on, you know, what your revenue was for that month. So that, that account starts to grow. And then you start to like, see, Oh, I actually do have a profit other than what I'm paying myself. So, um, I would recommend her starting that methodology even if whether she has a bookkeeping software or not, you can still do the profit for like, you can still set up the accounts, just start small. And do you, <laughs> if you try to go hog wild and like 5% it, you're, you're setting yourself up for failure. So just start very small and, and watch it grow.
1: Yeah. And do you offer like training on how to do that?
0: Yeah. So that's one of the things that we do help clients with is setting up their profit first accounts. And we give, you know, once we have their, bookkeeping under control. Um, like for you, for instance, once we've got everything caught up, we'll do a snapshot basically of your, your year to date numbers, what your trend is for how much you're actually spending in operating expenses and how much you're actually paying yourself. And we'll start with those percentages. So for like one quarter, we'll just keep it where it's at and make sure that we've gotten it correct. And then the next quarter, we'll start to adjust the operating expense down. We'll start to adjust the profit account up. Hopefully owners pay up and, um, and all that kind of stuff. So we take it quarter by quarter. Um, and we, we hold our clients accountable. We help them figure out what those percentage adjustments should be. We'll lay out a plan for the next, um, depending on how how aggressive you want to be with the profit first method. Um, we can lay out a plan for four quarters, so a year, or we can do an 18 month six quarter plan. So it's less aggressive, right? Because really the, when you start small and you do incremental changes, um, it becomes better to build the habit. So with any kind of habit building, like you don't want to just like Jump all into the deep end,
1: you want to kind of mm-hmm. super small. <laughs> yep. Otherwise, so. you fail and you feel like, well, yeah. I can't do anything then. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think those are all the questions that I have here. Let's see. Is there anything? Well, are there any topics that you have seen people ask that I didn't ask that you're like, well, oh, you should be sure to think about this?
0: Not really. Those were really great questions. And I'm excited. I'm really glad that you fielded questions from the audience and, um, or maybe it was just one person you had a conversation with. I don't know, but either way, <laughs> there were great questions. It's great to be able to, um, help answer those because it's, it's really nerve wracking to meet with an accountant or a bookkeeper and not all, not every bookkeeper is created equally, right. Or accountants. Like I, I, I know I wouldn't want to meet with an accountant. That's like in a suit and tie mm-hmm. <laughs> Someone more casual. That's not going to make me feel judged. Um, so I would say that's my only other recommendation is you don't have to go with the f- first bookkeeper that you see or that someone recommends to you. If, if you don't feel good about it, like if there's something that rubs you the wrong way about them, there's a reason. Mm-hmm. So keep looking. Cause there's, there's lots of great bookkeepers out there. There's lots of not so great bookkeepers. Um, and I think the other aspect is, it, I think it is important to find one that is familiar with your industry. So there will be less questions every month about every transaction mm-hmm. yep. <laughs> um, and, and all that kind of stuff. And they can help you, because um, every industry kind of has their own uh, peaks and valleys and, and cycles about how things run. So like with online courses you have launches and things like that, which are not the same as a brick and mortar store, right? Everyone, Mm -hmm. every business is a little bit different. So it's helpful to have um, an accountant or a bookkeeper that understands your industry. Yeah, that is true.
1: And you mentioned you have a podcast. What is it called? If people want to go check it out. It's called the ambitious bookkeeper podcast. And it's,
0: it's mostly dedicated to other bookkeepers. But like I said, I did that episode with an ex IRS auditor. So there's generally still good business information, but it is more focused on bookkeepers.
1: I mean, I cannot be the only small business owner. That's like, I'm for sure going to get audited and I'm for sure going to jail. Like this is happening. (laughs) (laughs) Is that a common fear that people have?
0: Absolutely. And I would not be so worried about getting audited. Um, and honestly, if you are really nervous about that, hire a bookkeeper because, that'll set your mind at ease if you have the right one. Right. Mm -hmm. And just keep track of receipts, have good intentions. Don't try to do anything shady and I think you'll be fine. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Thank goodness.
1: Well, thanks so much for being here. And if besides your podcast, where can our listeners find you?
0: Yeah. So, um, I'm on Instagram at, of course, bookkeeping I'm on LinkedIn, Serena Shoop. Um, And my website is, of course, bookkeeping.com. So any of those places you can find me. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for being here.
1: Great. Thank you. Thank you so much, Serena, for being a guest on the podcast. It was so enlightening for me to hear this. And as much as like finances can be stressful and like, oh, I don't really want to talk about it or look at it. I just want to have things work out and not think about it. It actually is really empowering and invigorating to look at your numbers, to see where where you are and what you're doing. I can't say enough about knowing where your money's coming in, where it's going out, and the things that you track are the things that grow. So knowing how I just, we need to be aware of the finance aspect of our business. It's like I said, it's the foundation of the business. And thank you so much, Serena, for answering those questions. Next week, we are going to have Lynn Lee of Lamb and Loom Fabrics. She has an online fabric shop and she's going to share how she's had success with her business and share a few tips that are really going to help you small business owners out there as well. So be sure to join me next week. Also be sure to leave a review for the podcast. Send me a DM with a screenshot or an email letting me know where your review is. And you will be entered to win the Mixers drink bundle that I'm giving away. So you have till the end of December to do that. And I will see you next week. Take care.